yeah, we have an awesome guest, a longtime friend of mine, uh, Megan. And uh, Megan, shit, how long ago did we meet at Pickup 101? This was like way back in the day. Like oh, 10 years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. And, yeah, right? And, and now she's a coach. She's been coaching pretty much as long as I've been coaching almost. Um, and you were originally, like, tell us the story. I know you were kind of dating Asher, and that's how you got into it, maybe. I never really asked you, but um, I'm curious to know, like, what was your initial reaction when you found out that guys were learning, you know, when you found out, were you like, oh, they're learning pickup or they're learning, learning how to improve yourself? Like, which lens <laughs> look at it through? And then how yeah. did you end up as a coach? Okay. Yeah. You know, when I, when I was first exposed to the community, I thought it was awesome because at that time, you know, I was in my early twenties, just getting hit on by lots of dudes that just had no idea what they were doing. So I thought it was great that guys were out there actually trying to make some improvements. Um, so they could do a better job with that. And, and yes, I was dating a dating coach and through him, I met Lance and his organization. Um, and I went to a workshop and thought, Oh man, this is, a bunch of dudes in a room trying to talk about women and it, it turned into a bit of a frat party. So I thought I'd be able to add some value to that, which is why I followed the coaching path and started, started coaching those workshops. Yeah. And, uh, you've been, I mean, shit, you've been doing it like eight years now, right? Yeah, exactly. It's just crazy. And so now I'm stepping into coaching women as well. Cause ladies need the help too. Um, but now I've had the opportunity to work with guys from just all over the world and, seen a lot of big improvements, which is awesome. So the guys have a bunch of, um, a, a lot of good questions. I, I sent you the, uh, I cut and pasted what I posted in the group and I yelled at them to ask a bunch of questions, which they, they did. <laughs> so awesome. I went through some of these cause they're pretty good. Um, and anything else just, um, you want to share in terms of like, the journey or anything in terms of like how you like, what really, like, why did you want to become a coach? I've never asked you this. Like what, what really drew you to coaching guys? Okay. Yeah. You know, I studied psychology at Berkeley and my biggest fascination with that was studying human happiness and everything that I was learning in those classes taught me that what makes us happy are the people in our lives. And so why not make that a huge priority to be able to meet and attract amazing people who reflect your own quality, who, who you are now and who you want to be. And I don't think people prioritize that enough. So it became a huge passion of mine to teach people that. And of course, dating is one amazing avenue for that, but there are so many others. And I know all you guys are super lucky to be working with Robbie, the awesome coach, and you can see the implications far beyond the dating world and what this can do to just catapult your success in all areas. So I commend you for taking the time and effort to work on it. Um, but yeah, that's why I got into it and adds a lot of value to my life to work on these skills. So I just like to share that with other people. It's got to be kind of interesting coming at it from your standpoint, right? Because you're coaching guys on what to do and you're also yeah. being hit on, right? So it's, <laughs> you know, you're seeing the matrix essentially, right? Um, which is cool because you have more, uh, what's the word? Like you have more patience, right? And you appreciate yeah. like, you know, the, the trials and tribulations guys go through to hit on girls where a lot of girls are just like, you know, just bitches about it. 
and yeah. they don't even think about that. But um, what what impact did that have on like your dating life, for example? Oh man, uh, I have so much more empathy for you guys now. So whenever guys come up and hit on me, I almost always give them the time of day, even if I'm dating someone, um, just because I know it takes a lot of balls to actually go up and do that. So I think, yeah, it's given me a lot more patience for guys. Um, in terms of dating, guys I date always ask me like, oh, so how am I doing? Uh, are you are you coaching me right now? Are you making a list of everything I'm doing wrong? And okay. I, I tell them I tell them if I'm not getting paid, <laughs> I'm not going to be sitting there analyzing all of their behaviors because that wouldn't really be much fun for me. That said, it has definitely raised the bar for me and who I date. Um, I like to be with guys who know how to attract and who can attract other women. Um, I think it's also made me a little less jealous. I actually like when the guys I date go up and hit on other girls because uh, it shows me that I'm not crazy for liking them. So <laughs> it's important to me that they can keep those skills alive and it's not threatening for me at this point. As long as we have that trust in our relationship, I actually really prefer that they still go out and flirt with girls and build attraction. So definitely changed my perspective on that one. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, you know, not, not the usual relationship <laughs> dynamic. <laughs> hey, go hit on some, uh, some other chicks. Well, yeah, then it's fun. We can go, we can go flirt with girls, you know, together and go out and it's, it's kind of fun to like to game together a little bit. I don't know. It's just (laughs) interesting dynamic once you're not threatened anymore. For sure. Yeah. You guys can go out and do that as a team. Um, So I want to go into Sir Bond had an interesting question here. Um, have you ever had, so do you mind answering some, some of the questions are like, you know, dating coaching lines and some of them are personal. Um, so if you don't want to answer anything, feel free to just, you know, <laughs> tell <me> to <laughs> <fuck> off. <laughs> or tell Sherbon to fuck off this case. Um, he says, have you ever had a serious relationship with guys with regular office stuff? Um, so, you know, not dating coaches, artists, entrepreneurs, um, and how much does a guy's profession matter in, you know, for you and your selection process? Okay. So I, I, you were a little mumbled, but my, I'm getting that the question is, have I dated guys outside of the industry? Um, and how much does their profession matter? No, it's, have you dated guys that are more, I know what he's asking. Like, have you dated engineers? Have you dated more like analytical, technical, um, you know, left brain type of guys? Oh man, absolutely. Yeah. I actually, I tend to go for pretty dorky, smart guys. Um, I like really analytical guys cause I'm a pretty analytical person as well. Um, profession doesn't really matter to me so much as passion, you know, as long as the guy's really engaged in what he does and he has a good reason for liking it, um, and isn't just doing a job to pay the bills. Uh, generally that keeps me interested. So he just has to be excited about what he's doing, but I don't really care what that thing is. Um, as long as that passion's there. Right. Yeah, I mean, passion is everything. Even if you're... I always tell the story that, like, even if you're passionate about snails, I heard the story about this guy. I think it was in the book Crush It by Gary Vaynerchuk, if any of you guys have read it. Um, some guy started a blog on, on snails, which he then stumbled across some information which was, like, incredibly valuable to the fishing industry and made, like, millions of dollars because of his love of snails. So you can be passionate <laughs> about anything. Snails exactly. 
Yeah, I learned that lesson hard. Um, I went to a I went to a country concert the other day. I hate country music. It was like Garth Brooks. Um, but a friend dragged me to it, and he was so pumped up about what he was doing up there that I actually enjoyed the concert, even though I didn't like the music, just because his passion was contagious. So that gets you pretty oh, yeah. far. I mean, one of my favorite things is just to watch my dog run around because he's so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I get to live my and chasing other dogs. <laughs> well, um, and if you're passionate about what you do, you're going to probably be passionate in other areas, like in the bedroom, you know? So it's it's just when guys are, are bored with themselves and their lives that it's a turnoff. So, yeah, profession matters way less than your investment in it. Yeah, totally. And, you know, if people are stuck in a job that's boring and they hate it, like, that's a very big signal to you know, obviously get out of that and pursue other things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Siobhan has a few more questions. Um, what's the largest age difference of guys that you've dated, and how did that affect the relationship? Was the guy up front with age difference from the start? Okay, yeah. Um, I'd say oldest guy I've dated is probably about eight years older than me. Uh, the guy I date now is about that, that much older than me. Um, and yeah, I tend to like older guys because they're, they're more ready and they're more aware of themselves and can kind of handle a woman. They know what they want. They're not in those learning phases. Um, and yeah, everyone I've dated, I've, um, I've casually dated some older guys too, and they've been pretty upfront about their age, um, but they were comfortable with it, which is what made me comfortable with it. So any guys who try to put off the age question or, you know, just uh, they, they're clearly trying to act younger than they are. That's a big turn off because it shows that he's just not comfortable with who he really is. He's only comfortable with who he's pretending to be. Um, and I'm not into that. So, yeah, you're building, yeah. you're trying to build a relationship based on a lie, which is <laughs> might hard. work for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, you have to, you have to be cool with your, your own age. A lot of my guys that I work with ask me about that with hair too. They're like, oh, you know, I don't have that much hair anymore. Is that a big problem for you? What about other women? If it's a problem for you, it's a problem for me. (laughs) So you need to do whatever work you you need to do to make it not a problem for you. And then you're going to be, you're going to be totally fine. Yeah. My cousin just recently married a, a dude both her brother and this guy are like horribly, horribly balding. Just not, but not giving a fuck about it at all. Like not trying to to hide it whatsoever and going as so far to like make constant jokes about it. And yeah. great. <laughs> you, know, you can, you can even pull, you know, pull off horribly balding. So I'd recommend shaving your head, but Hey, you can pull whatever off if you own it. Right. Just don't rock the comb over. <laughs> Everything will be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Robbie, you and I, even, we, we coached with a guy who was like, how tall was he? Like five foot three or something. He was really short and he would only date girls who were five, 10 and above because he was just so comfortable with who he was. Um, and it worked for him. That's what he was attracted to. And he was able to pull that off. Yeah. Is that a goal? You can, you can make it happen. Yeah. Have you ever dated a guy shorter than you? Because you're pretty tall. Um, you're what, like five, I'm pretty, nine, I'm pretty, I'm, yeah, I'm like 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, uh, last, the last guy I dated was about my height, maybe like a little bit shorter. And that's cool with me, but I've never, I've never dated a guy shorter than me. Not because 
I was excluding them. It just didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like if there's one, you know, the best thing you can get lucky on in terms of looks isn't really looks, it's height, right? And you, you don't necessarily have to be tall. It's a huge advantage if you are. But as long as you can carry yourself and essentially make her feel small, that's really, you know, all that needs to happen. Oh, yeah. How you use your body is so important. Even just standing up straight and rolling your shoulders back, that's going to give you an extra inch of height and make you just look bigger and stronger. So it's all in how you carry yourself. Yeah, pick girls up, throw them around. That makes them feel small, all that stuff. Hit the gym <laughs> before you do that so you don't drop them, obviously. Do some push-ups, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think it's possible to like rekindle attraction um, in a sexual relationship after a woman has written you off. You yeah, ever had that happen I, to yeah, I absolutely think that's possible. And I think it's possible like almost with full force too, because if you're able to do it, it's just such a big attraction builder, you know, it's like, it's, it's almost the same with approaching. If you approach a girl and she just responds really badly and you're able to reapproach and kind of turn it around, then it's hard to break that uh, that good thing that you've created. I think it's kind of the same thing sexually. There's something to be said for being persistent. So yeah, I've I've experienced that before. Um, and just the guy being able to have the confidence to like stick in there even after he knows he's screwed up. <laughs> um, right. That that boldness carries a lot of weight. So. As long as you're smooth about how you handle it, I think it's definitely possible. Yeah, and I kind of subscribe to the uh, the old rule of, or not really a rule, but the saying that the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. And yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so like if you're pissed off at a guy or you're like, yeah, I don't want to see you, or there's some sort of emotion there, I feel like you can, you know, there's emotion there, so there's feelings, they care. If they care, then they can change their mind. But if they feel nothing, then, you know, I feel nothing. So Exactly. And there's opportunities there to call out kind of the, the stuff you did before that didn't work in a self-deprecating way that's charming. That shows that you're aware that that stuff doesn't work. Um, and then that, that shows some social awareness, which is also attractive. And then you do the thing that actually does attract her. For sure. So. You know, the, I think the best thing I ever learned from Pickup 101, um, I remember Lance doing this. He did an entire approach where he just literally called everything out. Uh-huh. And, and after, he was like, you know, you can just do that. Now, like, not only can you do that, but it's actually, like, the coolest thing to do, in my opinion. I mean, if you do it nonstop, you might look a little weird sometimes. But <laughs> that's, like, one of the biggest things that I teach my guys. Um, and I'm always, you know, looking for better ways to teach it because it's not, it's not that easy to do. Um, like one thing, I don't remember if pickup 101 went over this, but like when you call shit out, it's helpful to like exaggerate and, and make it absurd or absurdify the situation. Cause if you call it out, it's like, if I come up to you and you know, I'm flirting with you and you're not giving me any love. I'm like, yeah, so you don't really seem to be like really into this. That's just fucking awkward. <laughs> right. You're calling yeah. it out, but you you're not doing it in a way versus, oh, yeah, you know, you're giving me that look. You know, like, you want me to, like, die in a grease fire? Yeah, that's what <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Um, so you, have, you take it to the extreme, yeah. Do you have any advice 
on, you know, when you teach that to your clients um, or anything, you know, to, to make that easier? Yeah, I'd say, I mean, she's going to mirror your attitude towards it. So if you're calling something out and you're smiling about it and you think that it's funny and hilarious, she's going to think that it's funny and hilarious. So if you're calling it out and you're like, whoa, you, you really don't like me, do you? And you're affected by that emotionally. That's when it really looks weak. Um, but if you're like, oh, whoa, you know, or you're putting me on a sex predator list right now, aren't you? And you've got a huge smile on your face. You're, you're laughing uh, about it. <laughs> then she's going to get that you're, com- you're, you're comfortable with the situation. Maybe don't say sex predator. Um, don't, don't call me on that. <laughs> no, I like the sex predator um, list. It's good. But as long as you're having a good time with it, it shows that you're able to screw up and still have fun, you know? So no matter what, you're, you're still maintaining that positive attitude. It's going to affect her attitude as well. So I'd say, yeah, just be aware of your, your own state of mind and make sure you're having fun with it and not taking it too seriously. Um, and then she'll mirror that. Right. Yeah. The, uh, I think the worst thing you can be is salty and, you know, obviously affected by a negative situation. And I th- would you, would, do you think there's any bigger turnoff than like a salty guy? Yeah. A guy, a guy who gets really emotionally reactive, but it almost comes across as someone who's kind of dangerous and unpredictable. And I think the key thing that you want to create with a woman, especially one that you're first meeting is a feeling of comfort and safety. And the best way to do that is by maintaining a good positive attitude. So the second you start to get to those extremes with negative emotions, that's when our red flags go off and we're just running for the hills. Right. Yeah. The, um, another thing that like, I feel like guys, um, I mean, this is a, a big lesson. It took me a really long time to, you know, I had to make this mistake hundreds of times, which was pushing too fast for sex. Um, mm-hmm. There's so much, you know, this horseshit bullshit in the community about like, you know, the faster, the better, the faster, the better. And really, I think what you're doing is you're living thirsty, you're living desperate, you're pushing them away. And it just creates this like pressure situation. Um, but it's so hard. Like, you know, it's, it's, it can be really confusing as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, they say guys want speed, right? And women want comfort. So as the person who's leading the interaction forward, it's up to you to create both of those things at once. Um, So you make her feel comfortable while while still moving things along quickly, even if that means like pulling away and saying like, whoa, whoa, you're suggesting sex. I'm not that easy. What what are you thinking? You know, that in and of itself is creating some comfort. You're backing off a little bit. So you need to constantly be balancing those two things. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun just using the word thirsty recently. <laughs> it's a, I don't know, just a, a silly thing. I, I like to call people out on being thirsty. It's like such a good adjective to just like, you know, stop being so thirsty. It's just like encompasses everything. <laughs> Especially when you say it to, when you say it to someone who doesn't really know what they're talking, what you're talking about is even better. <laughs> then they get a little confused and then they're intrigued and they want to know more. And I, yeah, I like it. All right, well, here's another question from Thomas. 
or mm-hmm. the first question. She says, I'd like to hear what Megan has to say about ways to keep a relationship fresh and passionate after the initial automatic new and strange wow factor is gone. Am I sentenced to needing a new strange girl every six months or a year, or is it possible to totally satisfy? That's a good question, you know, and I think it's one that we should all be trying to constantly work on and answer. I definitely think it's possible to keep things fresh and exciting. Um, eventually, once you've been with someone a while, you have to start to get pretty creative. So there are a couple of keys to that. One, openly communicating what you're into in real time. Like with the guy I date now, we just tell each other our kinks, you know, and if they change, if we have a new fantasy we're going to talk about it and explore that. And we're both constantly trying to kind of give each other what the other person wants. So that's really exciting. And we're both such good communicators that nothing's left unsaid and we can leave everything on the table and explore all kinds of different things. Um, Surprising people. I think that's really good. You want to constantly keep someone on their toes, do something different and fun, try it out. If it bombs, like whatever, at least you tried something new and it's definitely not boring. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's fun points. to get creative. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, go ahead. I mean, at least it shows that you're trying, you know, <laughs> even if it, even if it bombs. Right. And I feel like <laughs> I've heard it across the board from, from women that they're like, well, you know, at least you're creative. At least you tried versus just doing the same old nonsense. Um, and from my experience, um, I feel like, and I'm, I'm curious if, how, how you know you feel about this too from like a woman's perspective but I've had so many relationships where I went into the re- relationship just being like yeah this probably isn't going to work and then wasted <laughs> an exorbitant amount of time in those relationships um, which is just silly now that I think back on it but maybe it was a lesson I had to learn um, and you know have you ever experienced that as well and you know do you have any advice for for someone who's you know, they, they keep kind of doing that same pattern of dating the same people over and over, having the same relationships over and over. Oh, man, big time. You know, I've definitely been guilty of that. I, I call those people placeholders, you know. And the thing about yeah. placeholders is if you, you have that person in your life or people, there's not room for the people that you're actually looking for. So it's amazing the immediate return you get on cutting those people out. Last time I did it, I had a placeholder. I realized, oh, this isn't doing it for me. I broke up with him over Skype. The next day, I'm already meeting these new guys that are way better fits for me that I'm way more excited about. Could have never happened if I was still focusing on all of my energy on him. So I think the important question to ask yourself is, what are you gaining by holding on to a placeholder? Are you just saving off loneliness? Is Is it a laziness thing you just don't want to put the effort into actually meeting someone who really does it for you and what do you have to gain from letting that person go and what do they have to gain because they probably don't want to be with someone who views them as a placeholder either totally yeah, yeah it's definitely I, worth it i forget where i read it but it's it's if it's not a hell yes it should be a hell no and uh, that's really good simple advice right <laughs> gotta use that for everything but <laughs> you take it a little too far in certain circumstances. So some of the guys have more questions on like bisexuality and threesome hunting, which I'm not surprised. Um, you mentioned before that like you and guys in the past have like gone out and flirted with girls. Any tips on that? Yeah, 
you know, I mean, I live in San Francisco, which is a huge poly community. So that just runs rampant here. And I'm seeing more and more of it. More and more people are open towards that. So I think the more open you are with your preferences, the more you're going to attract the kind of people who are game for the same stuff that you are. Um, If you're out with a girl and she's pretty open to flirting with other girls, it's just important that you're making the girl that you're with feel really special. So no matter what, there's there's something special with your dynamic that sets it apart. And then she's not going to be threatened by other girls that you flirt with because there's always that thing she can kind of default to and come back to. Um, it's when you start giving more attention to the other girls that it's going to be a problem and the whole thing might just kind of blow up in your face. <laughs> Not in the way that you want. God knows I'm guilty of that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's, it can be really fun and exciting though. And especially if you are really encouraging and positive towards her behavior, you know, if you let her know what, what turns you on that she's doing, uh, with other girls, you know, you can give her a lot of positive feedback and that's going to reinforce that behavior for her and make her feel good. She'll want to do more of it. Um, so calling out the things that you like, keeping something special with the, the girl that you're, you're dating, that you're doing this with. Um, and yeah, making sure not to give more attention to, to the newer people, to your dynamic. Right. And I feel like there's a fine line that you kind of have to walk between um, you know, talking about exactly what you're going to do versus just kind of taking the lead and doing it. Um, you know, the, the risks of just taking the lead and doing it is you, you might surprise, you know, your partner and that, that could upset them. And the risks of obviously talking it all out, it kind of, you know, it kills some of the, it kills some of the mystery and it kills like some of that. I don't know what you, what you would call it, but you know, the word I'm looking for. So, yeah, you know, any spontaneity. Yeah. yeah, it's it's exciting. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's better just to kind of take action. You know, the mantra: "Don't ask permission, beg forgiveness." I think that's a good one to go by, as long as you're able to handle it, regardless of how the situation goes. So, for example, if you're out and you see a cute girl and you decide you're going to go flirt with her while you're with your girlfriend. And then she's like, what the hell are you doing? You you could then bring it back to making her feel special by being like, well, I saw that girl checking you out. I wanted to go, you know, see, see what we both like about you, you know, and then you're making it about the girl again um, and making it more, more flirty and fun. And it might make her feel flattered because it's again yeah, about her. Exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it, it can, it can go awry very quickly if you, take your <laughs> away from your partner and make it all about the other girl. It's a good way to end up with, with nothing. Or you um, could just banter and be like, oh, I thought that was you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> got confused. Rope it back in and save it. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on, you know, this is a big one and it's funny because girls naturally do this and I, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before, maybe when we, you know, when we met a few weeks ago, um, you know, that most guys, when they start off, they're in like a forced monogamy sort of situation where, you know, you, you go from girlfriend to girlfriend and you stick with that girlfriend because sex is on the table. Um, but most guys like the idea of casually dating, um, you know, it's, it's kind of frowned upon in our society. You know, there's a lot of anti, you know, sort of feminist views on that as well. But I feel like it's something that women just do naturally and they do it really well. 
they're just not as maybe like blatant about it. Right. Um, so, you know, I'm curious to hear from your standpoint, I'm guessing, you know, most of your relationships, you're probably dating many guys before you narrowed it down to one. Can you kind of explain like the thought process behind like what a girl goes through with that? Yeah, you know, I was just experimenting with that. I was living in Bali for a couple of years and came back to the Bay like, you know, eight months ago. And then at that point, I wanted to date a lot of different guys just to learn my preferences, see what was going on. But uh, you know me, Robbie, I'm a really open book, open person. So I went about it with full honesty. And these guys would ask me, you know, like, oh, so are you dating other people? And I'd say, yeah, I am dating other people right now. Um, And I'm doing that because if I'm going to be with someone, I want it to be someone that I really choose. And that's what you deserve is to be with someone who chooses you, not someone who's just with you de facto um, in a relationship. And so, you know, I'm figuring that out and figuring out my preferences right now. And if you're not cool with that, that's totally okay. And I understand. And I wish you the best, you know, I gave him an out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and they all stick around, you know, <laughs> you can, yeah. Like, cause guys all are always asking me, like, how do you word that? How do you phrase it? And I've heard it phrased, I don't know, 20, 30 ways. I think that was actually the best way I've ever heard it phrased. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, that was, that was good. I'm going to definitely go back to the recording and, <laughs> and try to pull that out. But, and, and yeah, I mean, that's brutally honest and it's great. It also, you know, you're respecting them, you're empowering them and you're like, well, you know, you deserve to be with someone who, who chooses you. Right. And it's, it's, uh, you know, that could be a, a, a tricky conversation to navigate if you're dealing with someone who, you know, basically, you know, our society, American culture is, is very against that whole idea. Right. Most girls are like, no, if you're sleeping with me, I want to be only sleeping with you. And once we start fucking, it should be monogamous. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, and guess what? Our divorce rate is ridiculous and people are starting to believe that real love and real relationships can't even possibly exist. So clearly the paradigm has to shift. So I think it's a lot more reasonable to take your time. And yeah, if any of those guys didn't want to date me after that, I would have been totally okay with it. Um, And something else I learned, the way they respond to that and the way they act about the other guys was either an attraction killer or an attraction builder for me. So I saw which guys got super threatened and wanted to talk about the other guys I dated all the time or the ones who were like, you know what, I don't even care about those guys. I'm just going to focus on our connection. But that doesn't even matter. And that was really, really sexy to me. Yeah. You know, it can, it's funny from, you know, obviously from my perspective, like I've been in many like open relationships and, you know, I've done the whole swinger thing. I've watched, you know, girls I'm dating, like banging other guys in front of me. Right. And it's, it's really just like a mentality shift that I can choose to be, uh, jealous about this and make it into this big deal that it's really not, or I can just kind of see it for what it is. Um, and you know, like I remember the first time a girl ever cheated on me, it's like, I, I wanted to know everything. I wanted to know like all the nasty details, like exactly what happened, where it happened, what went in what hole, like this. <laughs> and, and all I did with that was like tear myself up about it. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm guessing you've heard the, kind of the gamut when guys are, you know, reacting to that statement. Have you, have you ever had a guy just be like, no, now I'm out. 
see you later. So I'm guessing, you know, I can't, I, I think maybe one time ever I made, you know, I, I told her what, well, I was just really honest, made a statement very similar to yours and almost everyone is willing to try it. Yeah, exactly. I think I, I've never had a guy say, no, I'm not interested. It's either me and only me or no one else. Um, I've never had that happen because guys, I think they understand it. And it's almost the way I phrase it. It's almost flattering to them. It's like you deserve to be with someone who's fully committed to you. And if I make that choice, I'm in it, you know, but I want to make sure that it's an educated decision first. I'm not just going to get into that casually, I'm going to really think about it and feel it out first and make sure that it's right because I'm respecting you, you know? Um, and, and yeah, and, and that's genuinely what it is. It's not some weird like technique. It really is a respect thing for, for both of us. Um, and most people get it. I, like I said before, the previous question, I tend to date pretty analytical, cerebral, smart dudes. So when it's explained properly, they, they get it. And have you seen your dating preferences change a lot as, you know, you've gone from early 20s to, what, how old are you now, 30? I'm almost 30. I'll be 30 in a couple of weeks. Oh, nice. Yeah. So yep. what if, what have you noticed is a change? Because I've noticed tons of changes in friends of mine, girls I've dated, et cetera. Yeah. You know, um, I used to go for for more exciting guys like guys who are super passionate which I still go for but you know a little bit more wild less grounded and now I like a guy who has that same wild streak he can be spontaneous and creative and interesting and passionate but who's also a little bit more grounded and knows who he is a little more established in who he is as a man um and that's something that's really attractive to me also, I noticed there's pretty much a drought of masculine men, especially in the Bay Area. Um, big complaint with women around here. Um, so I tend to go for guys now who are pretty masculine um, and who really take on that, that role. Um, whereas in the past, that wasn't as big a priority to me. And how much did looks play a factor, you know, throughout the years? Oh man, very little. <laughs> um, I've dated bald guys. I've dated dorky guys. Um, I've dated crazy, crazy guys. Um, as you know, <laughs> um, and it's, it's really like, I've never been a look person, um, which a lot of my friends are really surprised by. They're like, wow, you're a cute girl. Like what, what's going on? And, but that's just not what does it for me. It's more of an attitude thing. So I'm like a perfect living example that <laughs> looks aren't necessarily it for women. Women aren't nearly as visual as guys are. It's more it's more about how a guy makes me feel. Totally. I feel like that the looks thing kind of wears off at a young age. You know, like you're in your early 20s or late teens, you go for the hot guy a bunch of times. You're like, okay, this guy is actually kind of boring, um, which is a, a, a theory that I've developed um, with uh, my partner, Jesse, our, our theory is that the better looking a guy is, usually the worse, uh, the, the less good he is in bed and the less interesting he is. And the reason is, is because he never had to really develop those skills because when he was young, right, he just capitalized on his looks. And, you know, it's like every guy I know that's really, really good looking, like model dude has ended up, in my opinion, just like marrying down. Right, either uh, going mm-hmm. 
for a girl who's just, she kind of sucks or, you know, maybe she was cute and now she's not so cute anymore. Um, cause I, I feel like they, you know, they don't ever, you know, they don't have to learn to be more attractive, to be more confident, more charismatic. And so eventually like, you know, <laughs> one for the good guys, like if you didn't have those amazing looks, you can make up for it. And then eventually pass. Yeah, I've definitely, I agree with you completely. I've seen that in my experience with coaching. Um, a lot of people hear about my job and they're like, wow, you must just be coaching these nerdy guys who are overweight. And it's so not true. I get a bunch of really, really good looking guys. Um, but that's the thing. They've like ridden by on their looks for so long that they didn't even learn how to talk to people, you know, because <laughs> they didn't really have to. And now they're trying to make up for lost time. So it can be challenging for those guys. Yeah. And one of the, I remember we had a client back at Pickup 101 way back in the day who was a famous producer and really good looking guy, really successful guy. You might, I won't name his name, but you might remember. It was in a, a, mm-hmm. I think the first workshop I ever taught in LA. And he was like, you know, I get tons of ass. Women are always throwing themselves at me, but it's always for my thing. And he's like, I don't yeah. want that. I want, like, I want them to like me for me. I want to, you know, impress them with my personality and not this, this bullshit. But I was, you know, I was kind of blown away by that. Cause I'm like, wow, this is, you know, there you have it. That was my first kind of, uh, you know, yeah. I was idiot yeah. at the time. Like, Oh, whatever. If you're hooking up, like good for you, whatever, whatever it takes. <laughs> you know? Welcome to the perspective of a hot chick, you know, who's <laughs> like, so, man, I, I just want a guy to see me for, for more than just my looks. Of course, he's going to appreciate my looks, but I'm way more than that. But, you know, sometimes people only get that far. Right. So you're, uh, you know, when, you, when you're coaching guys in the field, how often are you doing field coaching, by the way? Oh man, I work with guys every month. Um, I do a lot of one-on-one stuff and I teach workshops about every six weeks or so. Okay. And 